Before the intro begins, I would like to let everybody know that we had major technical difficulties while recording this episode. However, I think the the quality of content that we discussed with Mr. Jed Adam stands on its own. It's just the audio is not up to par. We scraped together uh, a way to record the episode at last minute, and so our thoughts were kind of scrambling, but um, I think we did our best. I think it's still, for the most part, it sounds good. We did um, edit some of it down uh, to where it uh, sounds better than what it was. It was... <laughs> so when you hear it and you see it sounds better than what it was, and if it still sounds bad, just know it was worse. So <laughs> uh, we did our best. Um, thank you for listening, and hopefully you, hopefully you can enjoy this episode. You're listening to Opinions and Beer. Stone Cold Steve Austin knows that the Opinions and Beer podcast exists in its world. And opinions, opinions and beer. Two guys and another guy will never happen again. <laughs> Welcome to Opinions and Beer. We are here with author, historian, Jad Adams. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Here from sunny London. Sunny London? <laughs> That's like in the future. <laughs> well, actually, I, I always think London's in the past because it's absolutely full of the ghosts of famous people. Like um, <laughs> Boris Karloff, uh, the horror actor. He used to live around the corner from me. His, his name was Willie Pratt, actually, not Boris Karloff. That was a screen name. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, I've got a contact book full of dead celebrities. You know, if you want me to call up Sammy David, Davis Jr., I can do that. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Call up uh, uh, the, the Jack the Ripper guy. He's pretty cool. He's pretty cool. <laughs> That's not the words we would use to describe him. Still unknown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I believe that uh, he moved to America and he was uh, H. H. Or was it Holmes, the first serial killer in, in America? I, t- I dig that theory. H. H. Holmes, yeah. yeah. Well, well, that's what you want to do. If you want to pick up your act, you've got to cross the pond. That's what we're told here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is Opinions and Beer. What is the, uh, the craft beer scene like over there in London? big and booming and it's really only over the last 10 years that it's taken off uh we've got the most um great small shops like clapton craft which is just a shop that sells beer nothing except craft beer no commercial beer at all either so we've got a whole chain of those there's enough interest to maintain whole shops just selling beer um and the best the beer that i drink uh is uh from a brewery called the colonel um, and they're in East London, in Rotherhithe. Now, when I was a kid, you didn't go to Rotherhithe. It was it's all, it was all gangs and murders. Uh, <laughs> but, but now it's kind of lofts and uh, artist studios and bijou cake shops and so on, and microbreweries. And one of them is the Colonel. Uh, and they, they produce this stuff. They produce new, uh, new hops every couple of weeks. They've got a, a new brew with new hops. Uh, oh, right. and, and, and each one's got its, uh, its own name on its own little label and the labels all come in uh, on ground paper there's almost no marketing it's just kind of a ground paper strip on the bottle to say what the uh, uh, what hops are, are in it and it, it comes from Colonel Brewery and they've been investigating some really really old Brews. They go, they've got a 1956 brew and they've got an, 18, an 1856 brew and an 1890 brew. They've got some really amazing stuff there. 
Smells like bean spirit. <laughs> this Which is, is a, a double maple coffee. If it travels, then we've probably got it here. But quite a lot of our beers just don't travel. And so you have to come to this country to, to, to right. drink them. And yeah. at our, our biggest brewery here, very close to where I am, the one where I would go and drink, is uh, Shepherd Neem. And they they were founded in 1690, uh, before there was a U.S. of A. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> incredibly old brewery, yeah. um, but still doing the same same great stuff in Kent, the Garden of England. Yeah. But don't look up Shepherd Neem in the U.S. of A. because stuff doesn't travel. You know, oh, yeah. it's rubbish by the time got over, <laughs> got over the water. That sounds so amazing. Like you're you're surrounded by so much history and drinking at a place that has so much history. And we just yeah. uh, we just have a bar that opened up last year. No. That's what we got. No. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, well, what's weird though? Yeah, America is, and you know, they're obviously the newest when it comes to craft beer and stuff. But uh, but they've really uh, done a lot of innovations. I feel like to uh, to the craft beer scene, they, they are they are they definitely Americanized it. Uh, <laughs> especially when when you have like when you have maple bacon. Jolly Rancher pig fat beer. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's pretty American. It's like they put a they put a whole cheeseburger in a beer. Yeah, going down well in Wyoming. I think. Yeah, exactly. Pancake breakfast in Wyoming. Exactly. That's exactly what this is. it's good they have some breakfast beer though for the for the uh, person who likes to wake up and drink. Yeah, the wee mornings. <laughs> now, does uh, does London is London's uh, craft beer? Do they have like is it strict? Because I know like over uh, I, I, I say over there, like it's next door. It might be. I don't know. I'm, I'm bad with geography. <laughs> but uh, uh, Germany, you know, uh, over there, Germany and Belgium, um, they're very strict when it comes to their brewing process. Uh, it's like you have to you have to follow kind of strict guidelines you can't do a lot of things that they do here are you can but it's like frowned upon now i think i think you can now but it mostly frowned upon now the controls are legal controls as to um the sale of alcohol production and sale of alcohol and those have been in existence you know since the last century i mean they're, they're, they're just the controls over all sorts of, of of beers and wines and so on um there's nothing special uh, about uh, craft brewery, you, you can just you can set one up. You, 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 you've got to have premises which are uh, clean uh, and 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 uh, available for inspection for, by health and safety people. Mm. But basically, you know, you just you, you 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 just open one up yourself. Okay, well, that's very interesting. That's very yeah. cool. That's that's awesome. I like I like that. I like I, I, we need to go over there soon someday. If anything, just to try as like as much beer as we can while we're over there. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. And go on a poker. Now, uh, now uh, the the one of, one of the biggest reasons why we had you on, uh, we wanted you on the show, is because um, you're the you're an author. Uh, I actually heard about you. You know where I heard about you from? Have you gotten a lot of have you gotten a lot of people uh, trying to get you on their show? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I I do a fair amount of stuff on 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 yeah. TV in, 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 the, in the US and on radio. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, a few people ask me for, about different books that I've written, yeah. not not one in particular. Well, uh, over on uh, I don't know if I don't know if you know who Joe Rogan is, but Joe Rogan and uh, Dave Chappelle 
mention your book. They talked about your book. They said they read it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so I heard that. I'm like, hmm, he, he sounds like an interesting guy. Let me contact him, get him on the show. Oh, my <laughs> so that was, I thought that was cool, but they were talking about the, the Gandhi thing and, um, Dave Chappelle didn't want anything out of it, but he's like, yeah, no, was, yeah, you know, he read, the, this guy, he read all of, you know, Gandhi's, you know, personal writings and stuff and wrote this biography on him, uh, The Naked Ambition of Gandhi, and then Dave Chappelle was all like, oh, quit going after Gandhi, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they were a bit like that in India, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, were they really? They felt it that way, yeah. I mean, they, they felt, you know, you, you, you've got to hear this man as the grandfather of the nation and uh, you must not talk about anything he did sexually uh, and, and he's, he's just got to be the great man uh, now as far as I'm concerned being a great man includes sex and so I don't buy that argument uh, but also he talks an awful lot about sex <laughs> I mean he, he was really interested in the control of the body he wanted to divest himself of, of, of the things that he thought uh, held him in and held all humanity in. And so he walked around almost naked. Um, he he w was very, very carefully controlled about what he ate and how he slept. And he wanted to control his sex life. And he talked an awful lot about sex. And, and he, he um, tried to control other people's sex lives as well, which is uh, where, where, where I'd, I'd, I'd say that he was uh, taking a wrong turn. Are you saying that Gandhi's a little overrated? <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not as a political leader. Uh, yeah. I mean, but um, people who want to uh, project an image of Saint Gandhi, uh, I, 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 I don't go along with that. I think people are people. Um, and the Gandhi that I see, shall I tell you a little about his, his, his progress through his sexual oh, life? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, he, he marries at uh, the age of, um, he's 13, his wife's 14. That's really very ordinary for Gujarat at that time. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not, he's born in 1869. So, no, that, that, that was a long time ago. Um, and he had a very normal married, married life, uh, had four children. And then in his 30s, he decided that he wanted to dispense with sex. He wanted to get away from sex. Uh, and that, that's really where the problems came. That by this time, he's a very successful union leader um, and a spiritual leader to some extent in South Africa. And he sets up these ashrams where he's, he's the guru in charge of the ashram and telling everyone when they've got to pray, what they've got to pray about, what they've got to eat, what work they've got to do, all that kind of thing. And he's also telling them about their sex lives that sex should be only be used for procreation, first of all. Um, and then he starts saying there shouldn't be any sex. And so when his son, um, Manalal, uh, has, has sex with a woman, who, well, perfectly willing sex, it's just, you know, he's a young man and she's a young woman and they have sex, um, Gandhi makes him swear celibacy for the rest of his life. Oh, wow. Finally, the, he, oh, wow. he, he, after a few years, he relents on that. And when the guy's 35, he can have sex again. But, um, <laughs> uh, but that's the sort of disciplinarian he was about these, these kinds of issues um, concerning his followers. He just wanted to control every aspect of their lives. And, and, and that's not very unusual for a guru. That's, 
that's kind of the sort of things these these people did. But um, he later decided to to start challenging himself, to start challenging his his sexuality. Then Gandhi started challenging himself, as he described it. And what he made his uh, followers do was do sexy stuff. So um, he'd get um, the, the, the wife of the manager of his ashram, who he'd sworn to celibacy. This couple weren't having sex. But Gandhi got the wife to do a strip tease for him to prove how spiritual he was, just to prove how spiritual Gandhi was, that he could resist even a beautiful woman taking her clothes off yeah. and, and he wouldn't be aroused. Um, and then uh, after, he, he used to um, bathe with his, bathe naked with, with, with his supporters. Um, he'd get naked massages. Uh, and, and all this was, as far as he was concerned, <coughs> a matter of self-control, which gave him greater spiritual power because uh, he, he believed in the power of semen, that, that, that semen was... Um, a, a, a deep spiritual force and you shouldn't <clears throat> lose or waste semen so when he occasionally had the wet dream he used he, he was very distraught about it and he wrote about it and um uh and and, and got his uh his, his ashram followers to pray yeah. with him about it and so on now all this is happening while there's a lot of political change in india they're getting rid of the british um and while they're getting rid of, the, rid of the British, the Muslims and the Hindus um, are in competition as to what kind of, a, of, of an India is going to emerge from independence. And so it's, it's a very tense situation. People are threatening to kill each other. They are killing each other. Um, eventually, of course, Eng India is torn apart and you end up with, with, with Pakistan and India out, out of that original British India comes Pakistan and India. So during that time, um, Gandhi steps up all this sex stuff. He's, he feels that he needs to be challenged even further in order to give more spiritually to his nation. And the way he's, ch he's challenged even further is to say to the 33-year-old woman that he's been sleeping with, you go away, I, I, I need other challenges. And he invites his niece, his grandniece, um, to come uh, and sleep with him. Uh, she's 19. Okay. Um, she's called Abba. And later he gets uh, an, 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 another um, young relative called Manu. And she, she comes and she sleeps with him as well. And so you, it, it, just one one naked teenager wasn't enough. You know, it, oh because my of goodness. The, challenge, the, the national challenge, <laughs> he needed two. And, and um, they're he's doing and, this for the people. And they're like his grandchildren. Yeah, or grandniece. Yeah, yeah, and uh, his grandchildren. Now, People were, everyone knew about this. I mean, he wrote about it and um, people, including, you know, Ma Ma Manu, uh, uh, Kanu's uh, husband, uh, uh, Manu's husband, Kanu, um, including people like family members would, were complaining to him about it and saying this doesn't look good. Other senior politicians who, who, want, who will be leading uh, independent India in the end. They're complaining about it and saying, look, you shouldn't do this. But he, he is resolute and he feels that as partition continues in India and things get worse and the two sides are fighting each other, um, that he's got to keep going through this business of, of challenging himself with, with uh, 
uh, naked teenagers. Um, yeah. And and he, he he actually says at one point to to one of them when because the, he says uh, we must sleep naked because the Muslims could kill us at any minute. <laughs> which is uh, one one chat up line. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, what I said. That, that's just a pit. The guy <laughs> is used to pick up line. <laughs> we must we must sleep together. I mean, the Muslims like kill us. Oh my god. He uh, described it as putting putting our purity to the ultimate test. That's that, that those are the terms, the sort of terms that he used. And the thing is with Gandhi, once it um, after he was assassinated, uh, a a lot of this stuff was destroyed. Things that were written about it, things that people had said, but everyone wanted to say what a great and unifying force Gandhi was. Um, and he's, of course, his picture is on all the banknotes um, and everyone reveres him. Uh, and so one of his first biographers who went round to the ashram and went round to Gandhi's friends very soon after his, uh, after his assassination in 1948, uh, one of his first biographers found that people had destroyed material about uh, about Gandhi. They were getting rid of papers so that they could write. Uh, right at that time, really very soon after he died, they were creating the, the, the Gandhi myth that, uh, that, that everyone uh, n- now seems to uh, feed into. Uh, of course, he, he, he was a great political and spiritual yeah. leader. I, uh, th- there's, there's no question about that. But... Um, we do have this side of him, which, uh, particularly given the uh, the young age of the women involved, is is very troubling to uh, to us looking at it yeah, now. Absolutely. Now, uh, now these these women were all like they were above eighteen, or they they were like minors or something. Is that what's going on? No, no, there were no minors okay. even in the terms of the time. Okay. There were six, sixteen at least. Um, and uh, that's that, that's the age of consent in, in the UK still okay. is the age of consent it's still weird and it, it is still weird he's like an old man he's like an old man <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how old he was doing all this how old was he? oh he was in his 70s okay so yeah he's yeah. an old man yeah, that, that, that mental image you have of Gandhi he was already there okay that mental image of Gandhi uh, now what, what would have been what was the benefit I mean I say benefit what was why would someone want to assassinate him? What what was he doing that caused such a uh, such polarizing action to happen? Well, they said um, that the, the guy who, who assassinated him was was part of a Hindu nationalist organization. Um, in India now is run by a Hindu nationalist party, so it's, it's that kind of people who believe in um, Hindu supremacy mm. um, and. They felt that his assassin felt that Gandhi had given far too much to the Muslims oh. and should not have allowed India to be divided and, uh, and, and, and that he should have armed the Muslims and, and had them fight rather than as, as Gandhi was Gandhi was committed to um, peaceful peacefully uh, achieving He's independence a, a um, yeah. and uh, the Hindu, Hindu, Hindu right wing basically uh, wanted to get out there with the guns and massacre the Muslims. I'll be honest with you. I, for the longest time, I thought Gandhi was the guy who uh, lit himself on fire. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was like—I guess that was the monk, right? That's yeah. not, not not the same. Absolutely unrelated <laughs> events. Unrelated. South Vietnam, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't even the same country. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that's just hey, that's Texas history for you. 
They teach you weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we get taught we get taught weird things. So they just mash them all together. All Asians look the same. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually told by my American publisher that we couldn't use the title Naked Ambition, Gandhi Naked Ambition. They said that look, there's a very poor name recognition for Gandhi in the US. Um, and there are a lot of people in the U.S. that don't like to see naked in a tie. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's usually <laughs> that's, that's usually reserved for you know the the X-rated films. Yeah. It's an X-rated book. In America, when you Google <laughs> naked <laughs> ambition, you know other things are going to pop up. You know. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Uh, but you, you've done other works uh, besides Gandhi. You, uh, uh, I, I see that you um, did some bi uh, biographies for the Clintons. Is that true? Oh, uh, yes. It's A Marriage of Sex, Lies, and Power. Um, that was a, a title of, of a TV program I made, which was actually broadcast um, for um, Clinton's departure from power. So it was actually looking back on... Um, Clinton's rise and and uh, his relationship with uh, with Hillary Clinton yeah. and uh, that was that that was great fun to do. I I, I interviewed former Clinton girlfriends and um, people who had uh, that, that been part of his his mm. guard, the state troopers who were looking yeah. after him when he was governor of Arkansas, that sort of thing. And you're still alive. <laughs> so <laughs> you told that tale, and you're still alive. <laughs> You got it. That's how you do it. That's how you talk about the Clintons. You get in and you get out. And you get the job done and you leave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another another interesting um, uh, thing I was that I was actually reading. I was actually uh, I, I'm probably gonna I was gonna read it last night and then I got home way too late. But I read like the first page, the first two pages of uh, this uh, book you wrote, Absence at the uh, the Absence, the history of the devil. Or something. The, the, yeah, his yeah. hideous absinthe. Yes. The devil in yeah. Yes. Yeah, now that, that's about the green liquid um, that some people say fueled the artistic revolution in in Paris in the um, mm. 1870s, because uh, all the artists and poets were getting off on it. Uh, <laughs> that's that, that's that's the myth, really. But you know, but certainly Van Gogh drank an awful lot of absinthe. Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's undeniable. <laughs> That's why I cut his ear off, right? Wait, is that... Well, is it, it is didn't it... help. But, yeah, I, was just, I, I didn't know if you were wrong, but I immediately started thinking, like, is that the one that cut his ear off? Are you even right? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I know some things. Well, it's like you got to make sure before you say stuff on our podcast. Right? <laughs> what what, uh, what um, inspired you to write that? Oh, right. I'm... Uh... Actually, if you're a professional writer, very often a publisher comes to you and says, look, would you like to do this project? And that was one of those. Because I'd, I'd written about the 1890s. I was interested in decadent poetry. And I'd written about a decadent poet. Um, and because of that, a publisher approached me and said, look, uh, the, the end of the century is coming up. That was the end of the 20th century is coming up. And at the end of the 19th century, absinthe was a really big thing. So let's party like it's 1899. Let's, <laughs> let's do a book about absinthe. And, 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 uh, and, and so that it came out of that. And I, I just looked at the production method of, 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 of uh, the liqueur, of course, but also um, social factors, 
why everyone started drinking it. You know, it was mm. what actually happened was there was a, a vine pest. So there was no wine for people to drink in France. So what wine was available came from cellars, very expensive. Um, and yet at the same time in the 1870s, uh, there were industrial processes allowed them to make industrial alcohol. And so they just cooked up the absinthe, which is uh, wormwood leaves, cooked up the absinthe, uh, uh, put some anise in it, another star anise and so on, oh, yeah. make it tasty, pour alcohol in, and you've got a very alcoholic drink, you know, yeah. 40, 50 percent alcohol by volume. Um, oh, wow. and, uh, and, and they were all really getting off their heads on this. Yeah. And it became the drink of, of the poor. Uh, and artists, musicians, um, actors, painters, uh, uh, poets tended to be living in poor yeah. neighborhoods and to be drinking uh, the, 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 the drinks that other poor people drank. Yeah, uh, it's made with uh, it's made with wormwood, right? Originally, I don't know if it still is. I, I know it's not allowed. I don't think I don't think wormwood's allowed in America, so I think our absence is like fake. Yeah, <laughs> but... um, it's got a very low percentage of thujone, which is the active ingredient in wormwood. Okay, um, I think it's got something like ten parts per million of thujone yeah. in it. Um, it, it, it's 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 very low, but that that's it's ten or twelve parts. I mean, it's something like that. That's the permitted level in the European Union, um, and I think I think uh, the US just imported the European Union's uh, 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 um, conditions, um, and so that you you could import it or make it in oh. the US if you wish. That there there was a very famous building, the old Absinthe House in Louisiana. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that sounds fun. So. With the warm, the absence, it it, it it makes you hallucinate. It's like a completely different high than getting drunk off any other alcohol. Yeah, it mild hallucinations. I mean, it, it, you, you'd need to drink an awful lot of it with the very low levels of thujone that that you currently get. Yeah, people like Van Gogh and Gauguin and Picasso were were, were drinking um, much higher levels of wormwood in their absinthe. No, the much more high levels of thujone, which is the, the, the active ingredient. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there may still be some kind of effect. But I think that the, the difference with the absinthe you're drinking now is probably like the difference between a spoonful of instant coffee as compared to drinking coffee, which is ground ground coffee oh, beans. Yeah. You know, oh, it's, just, yeah. it's just much more powerful. It's a much stronger. Yeah, it's a much stronger taste. It's going to give you a much, much, much bigger hit. That's so crazy, and and like, and that I think isn't isn't all that like mentioned in the uh, Bible as well. It's like it's it's pretty old old drink. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Wormwoods in the Bible. Wormwoods in the uh, 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 Egyptian papyrus papyri. Them Egyptians, no wonder they built those pyramids. They're like, oh man, this is so crazy. We're all hallucinating. <laughs> Let's build some pyramids today. I'm on wormwood. <laughs> yes, Adam, that's exactly how that went. <laughs> I just want something pointy. Big and pointy. <laughs> that's how the Egyptians... That's, no? It, no, no, that's no. Not that's not what they did. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, uh, what is, what inspired you in general to be uh, to to take on this? Because uh, you do on these bi biographies in general. Like, what intrigues you about this? Uh, I, I 
I write books because I, 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 I well, I started writing books because I, I thought it would impress women. <laughs> I, I wasn't. A, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm musically indifferent, really. I'm just not, not, not much of a player of instruments, uh, and that's one way to get women. And I'm not much of a sportsman, but I've got a quick mind uh, and a retentive mind, and I have some facility with words. So. Uh, that's what I was going to do. Okay. You know? So, so that, that's my that's my shtick. That's my thing. That's my yeah, thing. <laughs> I guess so. Oh man, um, but you also uh, you also do like uh, producing, right? You you do like uh, you produce uh, shows and whatnot. Are you? Uh, yeah. yeah. I, 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 um, earlier in my career, I did loads of, of, of television. I, I actually started off um, writing in newspapers, and then the newspaper market started to go down. Uh, and I went. I was in television for twenty years. I was a TV producer, um, and then kind of television started. This, this is this is a this, this story seems to be repeating itself. <laughs> television. There, there was much less of a living in television than there had been. Yeah. Because there, there 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 was a proliferation of channels. So there are loads and loads and loads of different channels, um, all the digital channels and so on. And and each one was paying very small amounts of money. Now, yeah. when I started in television, in the UK, we had uh, four four channels. And so, you know, if you were working on one of those, you had a good job and a prestige. Yeah. Um, but you know, as, as, as it went on, uh, it just became a kind of very average job. And, and now it's a job that people are doing in their back bedrooms, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with technology and, you know, technology. 2021. And especially with COVID, you know? Yeah. But thankfully, so, you know, so now, yeah, COVID's going away. So like, slowly but surely, at least America. I don't know how it is over in there in England. If y'all are uh, restrictions are being lifted. Oh yeah, and it, we and on Monday, Prime Minister has told us on Monday we're going to be allowed to hug. Oh, hug again. Oh Actually. my goodness! I remember hugging. Because, no. <laughs> yeah. But because we're English, of course, what we're going to do is kind of shuffle around a bit and look at our shoes and, <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> we didn't hug that much before when we could no. <laughs> it's like uh yeah uh, actually you know we, we, i mean at least for two weeks now we've been able to spit in people's mouths i mean we're pretty good <laughs> 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 only from a three-point dis- distance that's my image of texas <laughs> that, that, yeah yeah that's how it is in texas <laughs> that's how it is <laughs> We do things bigger and better. <laughs> oh man! Uh, no, but uh, going back to uh, going back to the um, the Gandhi the Gandhi dynasty. Uh, how did that even? Um, how did that come to be? How did how did this the Gandhi name even grow so, like so so much? He he was part of a family, right? Isn't isn't he part of like a like a bigger like a like a royal, like um, Indian family, or no? Like, like a no, royal. The, the, there's a fam- family called the Nehru family. The first okay. prime minister of India was called Jawaharlal Nehru. He was a big friend of of Gandhi. though they, they, they were very close. Um, and his daughter, Jawaharlal Nehru's daughter, was called Indira Gandhi. She was called Gandhi because she married a guy called Gandhi. Gandhi's a very common name in Gujarat. It means grocer, and and it, it he. This lady Indira Gandhi, who became the the next Prime Minister of India, but one, um, she wasn't in any way related to Mahatma Gandhi, but she kind of liked to let. She didn't deny it. Yeah, (laughs) there was was actually no connection at all. But you know, India, particularly at that time, 
uh, was a, a place of, of great illiteracy and poverty. I mean, it's better now, it's much better now, but it, the, at that time, uh, in the 1970s, uh, she could just uh, use the name Gandhi. It, she had a right to use it. It was, you know, it was her married name. Um, but uh, a, a lot of people thought that she was related to, uh, to to the man they call Mahatma. She she wasn't. Yeah, and she just didn't correct nobody and ran with it. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. she's a politician. Yeah, yeah, it, it benefited her. So now, uh, Gandhi, uh, Gandhi, Gandhi, Gandhi. Uh, that's why I keep spelling. When I go to spell Gandhi, I put G H A N D I, but it's G A N D H I. <laughs> it's like ah, oh, damn America. <laughs> it's an American pronunciation, I think. <laughs> but uh, Gandhi, um, what what do you think inspired him to to be such a like try to be this activist person? Was he trying to be this notable activist, or was it's, it's, he? He has such an interesting history because um, he starts off. Pretty lowly. I mean, it's, it's, it's a middle-class background. He does go to school. Um, his relatives put up some money so he can go and study to become a lawyer in the UK. So he's in London in the, um, in the 1880s, um, studying for the, for, for, uh, as, uh, to, to, be, to become a lawyer. And he doesn't seem to be a particularly remarkable person at all. I mean, mm. there's nothing very special about Gandhi. Um, and then he, um, he, he, he fails as a lawyer uh, when he goes back to India. He, he doesn't get any clients. And when he does, he's too nervous to speak in court. <laughs> so he's not a very good lawyer. Oh, God, yeah. uh, and, then he, and then he sees an advertisement that someone in South Africa needs a, a, needs a, a legal assistant, a merchant in South Africa, Indian merchant. And so he goes to South Africa to, to, to just, you know, there's a job out there, I'll take that job. Um, and then he really comes up against racial prejudice, South Africa being the place it was at the end of the, 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 the 19th century. Um, and he feels that his people, that the Indian people are being suppressed and um, are, are, are being ill-treated and aren't being given their worth uh, for, for the for the work that they're doing uh, to, to to build up the nation of South Africa, um, and the, the government keeps imposing new tariffs on them, and expecting them to, uh, and, and refusing them citizenship and, until they've been there a certain amount of years, and then it extends the amount of years, uh, and it's all very oppressive. And it's that which transforms him really. It's that that which outrages his sense of decency. And he says, "No, we won't let this happen." Uh, and that's when he becomes a real leader, and and um, a, a, a leader, particularly a trade union leader, which is something that they don't like to emphasize much, much in India. That that he starts off as a trade union leader. Um, yeah, because that doesn't come off as very spiritual, right. you know. If he's a, you know, he's just a, there for workers. Workers' rights isn't very spiritual, you know. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> And so when he, um, after 20 years in India, he goes, after 20 years in South Africa, he goes back to India, and now he's a hero. And he says, what I've got to do now is I've got to fight the oppression of the British, because the British are you know, some 30 million people are dominating this 700 million uh, yeah. Yeah. people in, in, <laughs> in, in India. Um, 
and uh, he's I mean Gandhi's had an, an English education he's got lots of English friends um, but he says it's time to go now now, thank you very much for the post office and the railways. <laughs> it's time to go. <laughs> Seem to remember the uh, US had a similar experience. It wasn't called the US then. It's thirteen colonies. Yeah, yeah thirteen colonies. <laughs> so we thank you for everything you've done to us. <laughs> but we got it from here. Yeah. yeah. So that was, so that was Gandhi's feeling. That, and, and what Gandhi did, where, where he found um, the Independence Party, he found them. Uh, a middle-class group of people who really were looking after themselves and seeing whether they, that, that they, they wanted to do as well as they could personally out of the country. And Gandhi said, no, it's not just about you. It's about everyone, this whole population. And so instead of a middle-class pressure group, Gandhi t turned the independence movement into a real movement. He went out into the fields, went out into the villages, talking to people, telling them what they could expect for, from independence to, and, and giving them a sense of self-worth that, 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 that what they thought, what they felt really mattered. So that's why he's a, a great spiritual leader and that's why he's, he's revered in the way that he is in India and, and, and respected around the world. Now was Gandhi, uh, I'm sure he was, a big uh, beer drinker? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> You know what it was? It was it was yeah. it, all they had was IPAs over there, and it's all like <laughs> IPAs yeah, back. Yeah. IPAs back then were gross. <laughs> on, back then, yeah. it was on purpose. <laughs> they, they made yeah. them. They made them gross on purpose. They overhopped them to try to uh, uh, save the flavor on the trip to India. That's the whole. That's the whole gimmick. That's the whole gimmick. That's why. That's why they're called Indian. Yep. That's why they're called uh, Indian Pale Ales. Oh yeah. Yeah, because they, they were. That's why they were overhopped. Oh wait. Bottles. So Indian Pale Ales aren't called Indian crates. Yeah. They're called Indian Pale Ales not because they're made in India, but because they're made to be sold, to be sent to India? Yeah, to survive the trip. That's why they were so hot. Yes. That's, the, that's how the, the style was made. Y'all are blowing my mind. The Suez Canal. <laughs> I thought it was like Indian style beer. Like, this is like, we, you know, we got this no. inspiration from India. <laughs> oh my <laughs> the God. The things you learn on opinions and beer. You knew this. I know. <laughs> Whatever. He's like, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> That's pretty funny though. Yeah. Anyways. Oh man. Gandhi's a crazy guy. Crazy guy. I can't believe he even existed. Sometimes I think he's a mythological creature. Well, he's up, he's uh that of legends these days, you know. He's uh one of the most iconic figures in America uh, I was going to say American in world history at all, you know. Yeah. One of, one of the things that, um, that interested me was that uh, he didn't develop this persona of being the, the, the half-naked man challenging the empire until he was about 50 years old. Yeah. Kind of when he was in London, he wore a top hat and, uh, and, and, and wore sort of ordinary Western clothes. Um, and then when he was working with Indian people, he wore Indian clothes, unless he was in court, wore Western clothes. Um, and it was only really very late on in his life that he felt um, it's time for me to just get all this off. Shed and he didn't all encourage anyone else to do it. He, he, he didn't want other people to be almost naked, sort of walking around in, with a loincloth and a stick like, like he was. Uh, he, he wanted to be unique and it, it really worked. It's like like Charlie Chaplin's moustache, you know, it's, yeah. it's just just there, it's an image, it was a, a, a and it came out, no, so kind of, in the 1920s. 
that's when when Gandhi Gandhi developed that uh, that persona. Yeah, I can't even fathom Gandhi in like a normal suit with a top hat. I just <laughs> I it, the the image will not appear. Appear in my head. You know, looking looking at it, looking at um, what we were taught about Gandhi, looking at your research into Gandhi and who he actually was, and just sort of like the kind of like the quirkiness of like his ideology and what he would go through and sleeping with half naked women, you know. What should, what do you think the biggest takeaway should be uh, when someone know when someone learns about Gandhi? Um, I think that he was a great man who really contributed to Indian independence, uh, but he was not a god. Yeah, it was just another man. Just of another course, man. yeah. Sometimes that's all it takes is just another man. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, we, uh, I'm going to check out your absence book definitely. Yeah, I, uh, I love your work on uh, your Gandhi. Just uh, you know, showing that this person, showing that this that icons are people too. Like anyone can be an icon. I think, I think that's like the, one of the biggest takeaways I've gotten from uh, your work in general. Is that you know, the, you know, I think we 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 put. Uh, we put like people on these Pedestal. weird, yeah, these weird pedestals. Though, like these untouchable pedestals, they're like they're mythical type characters that have never, you know, they've never done any wrong. They don't do anything weird. And then you're like, well, burn all documents. He might have done some weird shit. He, you know, so he was a good guy. He, but he, like you said, he was a human being and he had human tendencies. Yeah. I, I think I think that's one of the biggest takeaways in general in the world that the world needs to know is that. You know, people have flaws. You know, I think we, we hold we hold too many people up so high, and I think everybody ha- everybody is a human, and every human has flaws. And uh, just because it doesn't show on the surface doesn't mean it's not there. You know. Yeah. So uh, I really like that about uh, about you and how you um how because I, I know I I was seeing some comments. And a lot of people were upset about about your book about the uh, the Gandhi book for some reason. And that's because it's ruining their perfect perspective of yeah. the flawless Gandhi. You know? And I guess my final question before we end: uh, uh, what what are your thoughts when someone is upset? Like like what do you how do you feel when someone says, "Oh, you you ruined my perception of of, of someone." Well. The work that I did was very strongly based on the things that Gandhi himself wrote and that he therefore wanted to be known. Oh, um, oh yeah, just, um, And I've only, I didn't work with things that people had said about Gandhi later on. I worked with only the things that he said or the people who actually knew him said and the things that they wrote themselves. And so I stayed very close to the man himself and any, any criticism um, that is implicit in my book uh, was also made of Gandhi at the time when he was alive, and normally that criticism was made by his closest friends. Yeah. Sure, it's just so, that, that's weird. You know, that, that is, you know, it's written by Gandhi. He wanted people to know about him. This, no, this, but, then, but then people, the, the people are still upset. <laughs> I don't know. And, and that's it. It's like that's history, though. You gotta accept history as it is, not that you accept the history that you like only because that's not actually that's not history, you know. Yeah. So this whole, you know, this interview with you has been very informative to me. I've only heard about the flawless, you know, uh, iconic Gandhi. I've never heard of anything about like his just his uh, antics in life that don't put him on a pedestal. 
Hello, welcome to Opinions and Beer. We just interviewed Jad Adams. It was so fun. It was so crazy, but we, we, we did have a bunch of technical difficulties. It was supposed to go along a lot longer. Uh, we didn't even get video for it. It's all audio. Uh, however, we do have video of us talking and reacting, um, but just learning about Gandhi. That was a very intriguing discussion we had with that uh, with that guy. Um, what are your thoughts? Absolutely. Like I was saying, and we weren't recording when I said this, uh, it's not exactly a, a rabbit hole I would go down. It's not exactly a tab I would click on. You know, I'm very selective with my history, and I, and I never really thought, oh, let me learn everything about Gandhi. So everything that he had to say was very informative. You know, I only know him as the uh, the icon that he is, the whole flawless Gandhi that did nothing wrong. Yeah. It's very interesting to hear him put it in perspective as, like, he was a human being. He did have flaws. But, like, you know, it's not to take away from all the greatness that he did. As a matter of fact, it adds to, it's just, makes him more relatable, makes him more accessible to to remind yourself that he is a human, and he, well, he he is a human, you know? Now it's time for today's beer of the day. This is the beer that we were drinking during the episode. Beer of the morning. Beer of the morning smells like bean spirit. This is a double maple breakfast stout uh, by uh, it's brewed with tugboat coffee. It's a tugboat coffee breakfast stout ale with maple syrup and uh, now. When you say like it's actually there's a brand of coffee out there straight up called tugboat coffee, yes. and this they straight is, up take that yes. tugboat coffee and they put it in this beer. Yes, this is brewed and canned by Octopi Brewing Company. Oh my God, you know who this really is? Huh? The uh, microphone. So whenever it says Octopi, that means this is an original beer brewed. By uh, Untitled Art, but it also you says of, you, you remember Untitled Art. What w- what about the microphone brewing? Where's that? Okay, it, it's on it twice. Oh, okay. So microphone microphone brewing paid Octopi, Octopi brewing, brewing to make this beer. Oh yeah, fucking like backroom deals and so, third yeah. party. So smells smells brewers. like bean spirit. However, you know what are your thoughts on this beer? Uh, it's too, it's too thin. It's too, uh... It's, it's a little thin. It's a little like thin, but the maple... Barely... The maple's kind of there. And that actually gets old. Like, drinking a whole can of this, uh, for one, it's thin. It's like, you can barely taste the maple. You can barely taste the coffee. Even though it's double maple. But the maple <laughs> does start to, like, add up as you're drinking on it. And I was actually getting tired of the maple flavor before I was done with the beer. Oh, really? Yeah. Too, so that's two like each his own. Like too pancakey. Yeah, too it's f- just and like you could taste the maple way much more than the coffee. Uh, you could barely taste the coffee. You could barely taste the maple. But like I said, like after drinking on it and drinking on it, all you are, all you can really taste is the maple, and it yeah, just it and gets like, old. Hurts your teeth. It's yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like it's like when you're eating like syrup, like a, no. Basically, it's like it, it. It tasted more like a maple beer than a co- maple coffee beer. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And what would uh, you rate this beer? I'd rate it a five. Yeah, I give it a solid five. Yeah, I mean, like uh, give it a solid five. It was uh, so right thin, down the middle. Like as uh, as many complaint. Uh, despite the complaints I have about the taste, you can barely fucking taste it. Barely yeah. fucking taste it. Oh, Gandhi's fun. Gandhi's crazy. Oh man, Gandhi in a in a three piece suit and a top hat. What? That happened. That's just your opinion. No, that's fact. He said it. (laughs) That's fine. Because all we have here are opinions and 
beer in the morning. We are a million ten billion.